0: All right, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights. And I am your host, as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for being here. We have a lot of news to get to today. We have Israel who is expanding their gun rights. We have gun control advocates suing the education secretary, Betsy DeVos. We have an Oregonian teen who is suing the Bureau of Labor and Industry for discrimination and our good friend and ally Cody Wilson is in the legal battle of his life and the battle for the life of our natural rights. But before we get into all of that, I want to thank our sponsor here at Lone Star Gun Talk and that is Provident Metals. Provident Metals is an online bullion dealer based right here in the Lone Star State and they are offering exclusive discounts on select bullion items to our listeners. Take, for instance, Providence Exclusive Prospector Series and their newly released Pony Express 1-ounce Silver Round. The obverse features a horse and rider galloping across the rugged terrain and pays homage to the Pony Express, a horse and rider relay system briefly used to deliver mail cross-country in the mid-1800s. The horse is equipped with a specifically designed saddlebag used to store and carry mail known known as a moquila, the inscription, Pony Express, is seen at the bottom. The reverse features a classic scene of a sleepy Wild West town complete with a saloon and hotel. Horses are seen hitched out front, and an inscription reads, 1 troy ounce, .999 fine silver. See all of the featured products for Lone Star Gun Talk listeners at providentmetals.com slash or call 1-800-313-3315 and be sure to enter the promo code GUNTALK at checkout to receive 10% off your order all orders of $99 or more get free shipping and veterans be sure to call and ask about their military discount that can be used in conjunction with this special offer okay so first things first Israel Israel has finally expanded their gun rights in their country now this is good news but it is also not to say that they are very gun friendly um, and but I, I am pleased to report that they are expanding their gun rights. This is from the Times of Israel, and, uh, you know, it's obviously a lefty publication headline. Activists' bereaved families wrap loosened gun restrictions. An Israeli government gun reform loosening restrictions on firearms ownership and allowing hundreds of thousands of Israelis to carry weapons has been met with it with outrage by left-wing and women's rights activists among uh, along with relatives of victims of gun misuse. The major ho- overhaul of the country's firearm rules, published by Public Security Mis- Minister Gilad Iran, has stated the goal of improving the immediate response of ter- to terrorist attacks. Huh, funny. Uh, you, you would think that, um, that that would be a good thing, but apparently people don't think so. And ultimately what it does is it lets more than half a million IDF veterans, that's Israeli Defense Force veterans, receive gun permits. Could you imagine in this country if we had a, uh, a restriction on veterans owning, oh wait, that's right, we do. It's called the VA and they don't want people with PTSD uh, owning guns because we might go crazy and kill people. Um, even though that has never been the case. The big problem with uh, veterans with PTSD is uh, they do more to um, uh, hurt themselves than anything else. And taking away their firearms is not going to solve that problem. But anyway, I digress. Basically, what this is, this new law in Israel is going to do, uh, it says, under the new rules, which went into effect immediately upon being announced on Monday, Hundreds of thousands of veterans from the IDF's infantry unions will be eligible for gun permits, along with police officers who received the equivalent training. Additionally, Army officers ranked 1st Lieutenant or higher, as well as non-commissioned officers ranked 1st Sergeant or higher, who carried a weapon during their military service will no longer be required to return their guns and permits when they are discharged from reserve service, and will be allowed to ask to keep carrying them. So the IDF is going to allow their um, some of their officers and non-commissioned officers to keep their service weapons, which yeah, is kind of cool, um, you know, having select fire and all that. Uh, let's see here. Skimming through a little bit. Under the old rules, Israelis had to prove a need for the firearms, such as living or working in an area considered dangerous, and undergo regular testing and training. Under the loosened directives, individuals who have been in uh, continuous possession of a firearm permit for 10 years will be allowed to keep the permit indefinitely without undergoing periodic tests to to prove they still match the requirements. And of course, this is getting drastically blasted by left-wing anti-gun people in Israel because of the same talking point that, well, if we let people have guns, they're going to kill people. They're just gonna It's gonna be madness in the streets, and this is coming from people within a country where terrorist attacks happen regularly. It doesn't take long to go on to the Google and type in the Google and find videos of Palestinians' rocket launches into Israel. It doesn't take much to find uh Palestinians coming over and uh, committing massive uh terroristic acts in Israel um And yet this sort of proposition is being met with resistance in a a country where this happens pretty regularly. So it goes to show that uh, even if we lived in a country like Israel where we are getting attacked on a regular basis from people who hate us, they still wouldn't want us to have guns because it's not about the guns. It's about control. They want to control the population. That's all it is. And it sucks. It sounds really uh, conspiratorial. It sounds very Alex Jonesy, um, but it's true. These people want to disarm us. Whatever their reasons are, are completely known to them, but some probably want to disarm us for the fact that they can control us easier. Others probably have been warped into believing this irrational fear that somehow more guns equals more crime, even though the opposite is true. Um, But, you know, what can you do? I just think it's interesting that in a country like Israel, expanding gun rights is being criticized the exact same way that it would be criticized here in the United States. And they still have to do things that the left is fighting to get implemented here. And those sorts of gun control policies um, are are being criticized as being too lenient. In countries like Israel so take that for what it's worth I think it's very revealing to uh, for gun gun control advocacy and what their real mission is because we could implement everything that gun control activists here in, in the United States want implemented and then they will come right back with something else and to be honest if you take it all the way further where we are p- the perfect uh, Example of Australia where all guns are banned and all guns are confiscated, then they're going to go into, well, now we have knife attacks. Somehow some people are still making guns, so we need to make that illegal or more illegal. Uh, We can't have people carrying homemade guns even though it's already illegal. And then you got to be 18 and have a permit to buy, buy some butcher's cutlery. And God forbid you ever want to make a steak at home Because you can't prove to the government that you are a licensed butcher. Uh, But anyway, I digress. That's essentially the point here. Gun control activists, it it will never be enough for them. Because, well, none of what they think will happen as a result of ending firearm ownership will ever come true. Because evil will always exist in this country and in in this world. Okay, moving on, uh, speaking of gun control, here in the United States, I reported a couple of weeks ago that uh, in Washington State, they had a ballot measure that was proposed and confirmed, and then a judge struck it down. Well, now a judge has come back and ruled, yes, this will be on the ballot. So the Washington State Supreme Court, meaning this is not going any higher, has ruled that the Proposition Gun Restrictions Measure Initiative 1639 will, in fact, appear on November's election ballot. The d- d- decision clears the way for a statewide vote on the sweeping proposal that, among other uh, among other things, would raise the legal age to buy semi automatic semi automatic rifles to 21. Y'all have y'all will have to bear with me. English is very hard for me today, so um, yeah. Friday's ruling comes after a Thurston County judge earlier this month blocked the proposed initiative after Alan Gottlieb of the Bellevue-based Second Amendment Foundation and the National Rifle Association challenged the legality of the campaign's signature gathering positions. Gun rights advocates had argued that the positions, but that the petitions violated state law because they did not include the text formatting such as underlines and strikethroughs to demonstrate how exactly the initiative would change the language of existing gun laws. But a four-page order released Friday and signed by Chief Justice Mary F- Fairhurst reversed the lower court's ruling. State law, quote, does not allow for pre-election judicial review of the form process, substance, or constitutionality of an initiative petition, according to the order. So, uh, long story short, um, if you live in the slave state of Washington, uh, your gun rights are going to be severely inhibited after the November election because that place is controlled by anti-gun leftists. And it saddens me to report that if you are in the state of Washington and you love your natural right to bear arms, then I urge you to leave that place if possible. Um, there comes a point where you, uh, you need to decide what is most important to you. And uh, if you cannot adequately defend your natural right to life, liberty, and property, um, then what is the point of staying there? And finally, in other news... According to the hill.com, gun control teacher groups threatened legal action against DeVos' gun funding proposal. Now, this is actually quite an interesting uh, piece because uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding in what we as gun rights advocates want. So here goes Gun control, teachers' rights, and c- civil rights groups on Friday released a joint. Press release threatening legal action against education secretary Betsy DeVos and the Department of Education over a controversial proposal to allow states to use federal funding to arm school staff. We never wanted or advocated for the use of federal tax dollars to give firearms or training for that matter to teachers. We don't want anybody who doesn't want to carry a firearm, we don't want them to carry because that would be forcing them to do something that they do not want to do. Some people are not comfortable carrying a firearm. We don't want anybody to do anything that they don't want to do, even if that means we disagree with their stance. So if somebody is anti-gun and they don't want to carry, or even if they are pro-gun, they just... Don't want to carry. We don't want to force anybody to carry if they don't want to. Now, that's not exactly what DeVos's plan would do, but it would use federal tax dollars to buy firearms for public schools, certain public schools. And according to this other article that reported on the funding, it says... The Student Support and Academic Enrichment Grant Program does not specifically prohibit weapons purchases, but would allow DeVos to decide which states or school districts could use the funding for guns and training, sources told the New York Times on Wednesday. The $1 billion student support program is intended to fund the country's poorest schools, the newspaper noted, adding that funds are typically allocated towards improving education, curriculum, Uh, school conditions, or technology for digital literacy. Now, going back to the original article uh, about the pending litigation against the uh, DOE. Members of the coalition include the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, the American Federation of Teachers, and the Southern Poverty Law Center and Democracy Forward. Um... It is outrageous to think of using federal funds to buy guns for teachers at a time when underfunded schools can't even afford school supplies. Everyone agrees that our schools should be safe, welcoming environments, but having educators do double duty as sharpshooters won't make anyone safer, Adam Skaggs, chief counsel for the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence, said in the release. That is not what we are doing. And, you know, I I don't even have to explain it to these people because they know that's not what what we're doing. They just want to get a name for themselves and rile their base because their base will believe that that's what we are doing. Nobody is wanting to arm teachers to make them sharpshooters. It is not turning schools into prisons. It is not turning teachers into law enforcement. It is merely allowing a person who happens to be a teacher, who wishes to take on the responsibility of carrying a firearm on their person for the protection of their life, their neighbor's life, their liberty, their neighbor's liberty, or their property slash neighbor's property, and in giving them the means to defend that should they choose to use it. Now, I don't agree that we should be using federal tax dollars for this. Hell, I don't even think we should be using federal tax dollars for education at all. But that's a whole other topic. We do not want to force people to carry if they don't want to carry. We don't want to force people to train if they don't want to train. But the thing is, when there is no other line of defense or all other lines of defense have failed, you need a last resort. If you are if you are thinking that your last resort is going to be a metal detector or calling the police then you are not properly planning for an an event uh, that is catastrophic, chaotic, deadly or tragic. You are not adequately pr- planning. You know, um I'm not I'm not a prepper. Um but I do know people who are preppers. And I cannot chastise them in any way. Because if it came down to it, where we had an economic you know, collapse or a zombie apocalypse or what have you, those are the people who, well, if I had laughed at them before, I would be begging them for their help. You know, the same can be said for anybody who carries a firearm. All of these people. ...who are anti-gun and think the idea is ludicrous to allow teachers to arm themselves... ...they are going to be thankful that somebody was armed at the time that a tragedy struck... ...and they were able to stop it the very second it happens... We can tout all day about, oh, this is just never going to happen and laugh at them and say what kooks they are and how they should go back to wearing their tinfoil hats and living in their freaking garages thinking that the government's trying to spy on us. Oh, whoop, sorry. Thanks, Snowden. Appreciate that one. But then when something happens, you're not going to be laughing at them anymore. You're not going to be thinking that they're crazy because that person that you thought was crazy, that you made fun of, or that you were scared of for whatever reason, that person just saved your life. You know, we live in a crazy, crazy world. We live in a world where the vast majority of us are good people, and we strive to be good people, and we might come up short sometimes, but we, we try to have each other's backs. But there are people among us. Who do not care. They take what is not theirs without any sort of remorse. They take um, property. They take liberty. They take lives. And when these people do this, hell, I just got a notification on my phone just now that there was a mass shooting in Jacksonville, Florida. When those people show up to do what they want to do, you cannot say that it was a typical American who did it you can't say it was a typical person who did it the vast majority of people on this planet are good people they want to be good people and then there are the few that wreak chaos there are the few that want to take advantage of other people and take their lives from other people and when that happens if you have a means to defend yourself or somebody else, then everybody is going to be thankful that, that there was a means to even defend themselves against that. You know, I, I want to share something uh, with you all. We had a an individual send us a message on Facebook. And... Uh, it's it's an interesting story. I'm going to read this to you in its entirety. So he sent a screenshot text message from his wife, and this is what the text message said: "Dude, we were walking uh, back. Some guy in a van was was staring at us, and then rolled down his windows as we were walking by. But it didn't ask. But didn't ask about Milo or Evie or anything. Just staring at us. So I kept walking, and he slowly followed us a little further." and then stopped in the middle of the road, and we all just walked as fast as we could to turn the corner. He didn't follow after that, but it was creepy. This person then accompanied this picture with this message. I want to share this with you, and ask if you could share this to the group, because this just happened to my wife, and it's a prime example of why guns are necessary, and why carrying can deter crime. My wife is a wonderful mother and a great person, but she is, or was anti-gun. She doesn't like th- that I own them, but thinks they're and thinks they're pointless. Today this happened, just an hour ago. A man in a van stalked her and my infant daughter as they were walking my mother-in-law's dog. My wife is a beautiful gal, but she's five two and one hundred and ten pounds. I love her to death, but she is the type of person a criminal would see as an easy target and I've been stressing for her for months to uh, the importance of her having self-defense. He followed her down the road, staring them down and driving slowly, and I believe the only thing not stopping him from attacking her was my in-law's massive lab, who boasts an intimidating size and weight. After this happened to her, she now understands the importance of carrying. She felt the fear and helplessness not knowing what could happen. For somebody who hated guns, she now sees why they're important. Why self-defense is important because it comes down to it, if the dog hadn't been there, my wife and daughter could be missing. And I would never have known because she and I both know she doesn't carry the physical capacity to defend herself. This is a real-world experience my wife felt for the first time in her life. Always carry and be aware of your surroundings because criminals don't care about your well-being. You know, we like to think that things like this could never happen to us, and statistically, as I've said before, they are exceptionally rare. You know, violent crime as a total in this country only affects 0.3% of the population. but you could be one of those 0.3% of the population. We carry in case we ever find ourselves as possibly being one of those 0.3% of the population. You know, violent crime is not something that happens to everybody. It doesn't happen to most people. But I promise you, I'm not going to allow myself or my family... To be one of those people. Because we understand the importance of self-defense and what it need what it means to carry that responsibility. You know, all of these anti-gun groups, they think that, oh, if we get rid of this type of gun or that type of gun, then, you know, everything will be fine. And then they'll realize, oh, that it wasn't fine. The same things are still happening. And so then we need to do this, and we need to do that, and we need to do this, and we need to do that. At the end of the day, it's never going to change anything because those, that small percentage of people that want to take advantage of other people are still going to be out there doing what they do best, taking advantage of other people. The firearm is the great equalizer. A woman like this person's wife, um, who's five foot two and one hundred and ten pounds, carrying a firearm, can put her in on an equal playing field for a man that is six foot eight and four hundred pounds. And you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to carry something lethal. You there are non-lethal methods out there. I mean, a firearm is the most effective tool. But if somebody's not, not comfortable carrying that for whatever reason, they just can't get over it. There are non-lethal methods out there. But the thing is, we need to carry them. A firearm is not going to do any good sitting in your glove box of your car. Firearm's firearm is not going to do any good being locked up in a safe because we are talking about milliseconds counting. And in a situation where milliseconds are counting, you cannot afford to lose minutes. And you can't even afford to lose seconds. You know, um, a lot of people worry about uh, children, parents with children uh, worry about their, their child getting a firearm, getting a hold of their firearm. Well, here's an easy solution. Holster. Carry it. When a firearm is in your holster, you know a thousand percent where that firearm is at all times, and it is under your control. And should the need arise for you needing to use said firearm, it is as close to you as humanly possible. You don't have to fiddle with the thumbprint safe or, you know, uh, type in your little four-digit combination or spin the wheel of your of your gun safe. Because I promise, if you are at that point where you're trying to remember a combination under stress, time is going to add up. If you don't, you know, lock up the guns that you're not using, and then always have on you the gun that you are. Just, they make them. Get a good holster, get a good belt, carry it on you. Ladies, do not carry your weapon in your purse. That is the first thing that a thief is going to target. Give me your purse. Well, if you're reaching in there, chances are you got something else in there that they're going to want to. Carry it on you. Get a good belt, get a good holster, carry your firearm on you. That can alleviate so much, so many issues in this country if more people would actually carry and take on their responsibility. But we can't force them. Can't force them. Anyway, the last thing that I'm going to leave you with here is something from Cody Wilson. Um, I haven't talked about this yet on the podcast, um, but Cody Wilson has been in a huge legal battle with. Um, with 3D printed guns. Uh, The Department of State said they settled a lawsuit with him but federal judges and 21 states are now suing him. Uh, He made this video that I'm going to to play the audio for you because that's really what matters. And I want you to take a listen to this and I'm going to urge you to donate to his defense fund. Because these are our rights. You know, many people ask, how can you say that the right to own a gun is a natural right? How can you say that it's a God-given right? And I say, well, it's simple. My right to life, liberty, and property are natural rights. The means by which I defend those. The tools necessary to defend those also known as a firearm, is in and of itself a natural right because it is necessary to defend my other natural rights. These rights do not come from government. They come from our Creator. And because the government did not grant us these rights, they have no authority to regulate them. Even if the Second Amendment, Second Amendment actually said the people have no right to keep and bear arms, even if it specifically said that, we would still have the natural right to keep and bear arms. The difference is that whether or not a government chooses to recognize the existence of those rights. And that is what Cody Wilson's fight has been all about. He is trying to get the government to fully recognize our rights and he he has been the target of our government for a long time anyway I'm going to play this short video for you Um, just take a listen to this
1: the website of the company they did this agreement with specifically says their goal is not to defend the second amendment it's to expand it
0: we sued them to stop them from publishing codes online. Here's the thing: a lot of those, a lot of those specs are already online. Yeah, but you can uh, make it illegal to possess them, and we wouldn't know about it. Already, the damage has been done. But it may already be too late to stop this. And as far as I'm concerned, federal
1: officials should be showing up to that building right now. I placed the design files for the Air 15 into the public domain. July 27, 2018. Gone. I committed these files to the commons under a license from the U.S. Department of State. Now 21 states would sue me across this country, so eager to kill your second amendment that they would take the first. Rifleman, this fight is yours, and it's time to muster. kill your internet, these statesmen, they can only see ghosts, you don't get to escape me, you don't get to vote me out, and I guess at last it comes down to what this is, Who am I? What are we? We call ourselves Defense Distributed. We're a defense contractor. But we don't contract with the state. We contract with the public. So I'd like to come to terms. If you will fund this fight for me, I will offer two new contracts to you. Your support is tax-deductible. Bitcoin.com has offered to match funds one-to-one. Rifleman, they would take your birthright. Shall I give it to them? I went to Vanderburg's funeral. I didn't see you. Show me you're there. The unlimited power of the sword is in the hands of the people.
0: This is a hard sign to live under. May you come to know it. The government does not like this sort of freedom. This is exactly why our founders fought the crown. Because the crown in 1775 was coming to take the arms of the militiamen. They were going to seize a weapons cache in Lexington and Concord. And that point was the tipping point where the first shots of the revolution were fired. And now a patriot like Cody Wilson is under attack from 21 state governments, all of whom are suing him for defending our If you can donate to his defense fund, go to defcad.com. That's D-E-F-C-A-D, Delta Echo Foxtrot, Charlie Alpha Delta dot com. And you can see there just how to donate. Right now, he's raised $134,000. And he needs $400,000. So if you can donate any amount, please do. Because this is not you paying for his defense of getting falsely arrested. This is you paying for a legitimate defense of our rights. If you're able to donate, please do. Any amount. And um, as you heard, Bitcoin.com will match donations one-to-one. So that's going to do it for me today. Please share this podcast and rate it. And um, make sure that you're subscribed to stay up to date in the latest gun news. And until next Monday, Lone Star Gunners arm yourself with knowledge, and share the ammo. Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Hosted and edited by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2018.